Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to the Terrace Scottish <laughs> Football Podcast. My name is Craig Fowler. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I, I don't know what I did there. I was, must have been thinking of Fowler when I said my name. We'll try that again, right? In five, four, three. And welcome to the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. My name is Craig Telfer and right now I am joined by my close associate, Sean McGuigan. Hello there. And you know what happens when the Mark and Carol Thatcher of the Terrace team up. That's right, you're about to get fitted for a suit, but a suit made entirely of lower league Scottish football. As usual, we'll be looking at one game from the Championship, another from League One and a final fixture from League Two. But... Before we get going, I'd like to inform you about a Terrace Podcast live event that's taking place at Hamden on Saturday, 19th November. It's in partnership with Children First. And Sean, I think it'll be a good laugh. You and I will certainly be there. So that's guaranteed one laugh or two laughs when, when I walk through the door first and then you're in behind me. Certainly no more than three laughs. But I mean, no, listen, I mean, for, for £25, how, how many more laughs could you possibly expect? And, and could- off a charity. You could watch the entire 13 episodes of Badil Syndrome on YouTube for free. Right, so, so there, there's zero laughs. Honestly, like, I've been watching so much Badil Syndrome, like literally so much Badil Syndrome over the oh, past oh, four Okay, so why? why? So bear in mind you've seen every episode multiple times. What is it about your current state of mind that is meaning that you are delving into it again? Because that's quite interesting. Because I hadn't watched it for a long time, so I thought to myself... Right, so when you say a long time, how define a long time? Three weeks. <laughs> I hadn't seen an episode in three weeks, so I thought it was disappearing off my YouTube homepage. You know, the sort of familiar videos are there, so I had to go and watch an episode of Badil Syndrome again. And since then, just like you go into the shower, take the laptop with you, stick on an episode of Badil Syndrome, they're only 20 minutes long, you can clean your entire body in that time <laughs> with minutes to spare. So how... Right, so wait a minute. So you you take an, an episode of Bedell Syndrome into the shower? Yeah, you, you basically. I've got a bit in my. I'm I'm, I'm not going to take you through there, but I've got a bit on my. I'd uh, like a on my window, like a windowsill almost. There's like a cupboard there. I can rest okay. the laptop on there. I'm, I'm lathering myself up, um, soaping parts of my body that, that people don't tend to see, and just have a laugh watching Bedell Syndrome. And, and do you genuinely laugh? 
because you've so so in terms of so let's take Wednesday for example, right? You were showing clips of Bedil syndrome to, yeah. I think Robert Borthwick and yeah. maybe maybe, maybe <laughs> yeah. Graham Thewlis. Yeah. Now, now bear in mind they'd, they'd probably never seen those clips before, so the jokes were fresh and new to them. Mm-hmm. Neither of them laughed, but but you've seen these jokes multiple times. Do, do you still laugh? You know something? It's got to the stage, Sean. It's got to the stage where. I don't know if I if I like it ironically or actually genuinely like it. It's it's it's, it's that sort of um, that sort of relationship I have with the show. It, it it feels like that like you know how like some people just like they need something to like if they're maybe if they're stressed or having mm-hmm. a bad day mm-hmm. that maybe it's just like a place they need to go to or a film they need to refer yeah. to or a book they need to to go back to. It kind of feels like if you're having if you're going through something. Bedil syndrome is what you turn to. I'm going through a lot, Sean. Going through a lot just now. So yes, I have been regularly turning to Bedil syndrome. Interesting enough, Bedil syndrome starts with David Bedil having a conversation with his therapist, played by Stephen Fry. And it's perhaps a, an avenue that, that I might want to explore at some point. Who would have thought Bedil syndrome turned me into a better person, a better version of myself? <laughs> I mean, I suppose when you think about it, like if people are going through hard times, they may... Perhaps they may turn to alcohol. Mm-hmm. Perhaps they may turn to drugs. Yeah. But you turn to Bedil syndrome. I suppose it's a good thing. What would you rather have, Sean? Me talking about Bedil syndrome all the time or me pissed? Turning up to <laughs> turning up to film a view for the terrace, absolutely wrecked. My nose bright red, slurring my words. <laughs> uh, You've got to uh, pick. Can, can I think good, about it for a minute? Bedil syndrome <laughs> or the booze? It has to be Bedil syndrome. It has to be. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Sean, listen, um, I, I, I urge the viewers, in all seriousness, I know Sean and I spent the last uh, 17 minutes talking about the merits of Bedil syndrome. Please come along to the, the Terrace live show. Yes. Uh, we mentioned Sean and I will be there. There'll be 12 other people who perhaps lack our charisma and star power, but do head along all the same. <laughs> Limited tickets are available, so please book now to avoid disappointment. And uh, I, believe Sean, that, I believe there may be... Uh, Bonafide football stars there as well. Okay, do we have any names? Do we have any names? Uh, no, I, I think the intention is to have somebody from Scotland's '98 World Cup squad and somebody from the 2019 Women's World Cup squad. I can imagine we're going to get a text. I can imagine we're going to get a text from Duncan Mackay saying, "Telfer, what's Danny Denham's number?" <laughs> <laughs> Sean, are you still in contact with Dylan Eason? <laughs> Sean, you're friends with Kieran Bowie on Facebook. What's he up to <laughs> next month? He's visiting his mum and dad this weekend. Is he available? <laughs> uh, not at all seriousness. It's, it's going to be good fun. But now, that's out of the way, Sean. Is, is everything okay? Because the last time I saw you on Wednesday, your eyes were, were bloodshot to fuck. It looked like you'd been on amphetamines for 72 hours. I, I, I don't know what's going on with my eyes. So th- this is what my eyes look like if I am maybe in a room with a dog for about 45 minutes. But on Tuesday morning, I woke up and it looked like I'd uh, I'd, I'd decided to live in a uh, a kennel with a mm. bloodhound uh, overnight, <laughs> and they are they're slightly better today. I got uh, I got drops last night and they're slightly better. But I it's not ideal, not ideal if, if you're filming a television show and it looks like you haven't slept and have been taking uh, class A drugs for about two weeks. Fuller manages it. <laughs> <laughs> He always shows up all right. 
Of course, as well, Sean. Uh, we we saw each other on Wednesday when we were filming episode six of a view from the terrace from from the fifth season. But we also were in each other's company on Sunday at the RTS Scotland Awards. We view the terrace was nominated for Best Sports Programme. It didn't win. Sadly, it lost out to a documentary about Ken Buchanan. But that's two years, two successive disappointments. Very, very difficult to pick yourself up off the canvas after so many shameful beatdowns. Unlucky in love, unlucky at award ceremonies. When law, will of catch a break? law of averages will maybe win at some point. Did you enjoy yourself? I think what the worst thing was, like they showed a clip of every show. <laughs> Some of the, like the, like the Ken Buchanan clip was like, well, that seems quite touching. class. And then the Craig Brown clip for uh, Mr. Brown's Boys, which is to do with the 98 World Cup. Like, that, 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 that would make me want to watch Aye. it. It's John Collins talking about playing against Brazil. Class. And then they, they literally just showed a 30 second clip of of uh, a view for Terrace, and it was just 30 seconds of nothing. I actually turned, I was sitting next to Fowler, I turned him and said, This looks shit. <laughs> <laughs> if I if I if I hadn't watched the show, I I I wouldn't watch it. Nothing informative, nothing funny. It was just a nothing clip. It was God. it was me saying, I, I believe it may have been something about me saying going to Haddington back to Wraith, and then Joe said he was attending the Haddington game at the weekend, and that was it. Great. I, I thought they would have shown like one of the. I mean, we work. I say we work. Like the the the, the show that the 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 VTs, the the little movies are made by some of the most talented young filmmakers in the country. Why not show that? Mm-hmm. Why not show that instead of Joe Sked? <laughs> Rather than me saying I'm not doing anything this weekend, and Joe saying I might go to Haddington. Like uh, thirty seconds of shit. Was that game called off anyway? I was. <laughs> there you go. There you go. It's just I just before the Queen died. Absolutely stitch up, absolutely stitch up. Uh, but nevertheless, listen, third time's a charm. Who knows? We might be nominated in uh, in twenty twenty three. The Celtic Awards. That's what you want to win. Okay. Um, I, listen, I'd just love to win. I believe an award. that's the next one. I believe that's the next one. I would just love to win an award. Simple, simple as uh, simple as that. Um, just this podcast ever been up for an award? I believe there are podcast awards, but you you need to kind of encourage people to vote for you, and it all ah, seems a bit, a bit, bit unseemly. Ah, no, a bit, bit unseemly. I think it's uh, the fact that the RTS awards was sort of judges, uh, respected peers, gives it that degree of gravitas. Where it's just a popularity contest, isn't it? How how did you find so obviously I, I so you have been to an award ceremony before? I haven't. How did you how did you find them? I think that well, the the best one that I went to would have been in February 2020. That was the Broadcast Awards down in London, where View for Terrors was nominated for Best Sports Program at the Broadcast Awards, and it didn't win. It lost out to the the coverage of the Cricket World Cup, and that coverage was pretty heavy duty mm-hmm. coverage. There's something like thirty odd cameras that were located around the grounds, an incredible production pulled together. But nevertheless, View from Terrace was highly commended. Because I think it managed to do quite a lot on a, on a fairly limited budget, so it was massive. It was absolutely massive. That was incredible. That was took place at a, a Hilton Hotel in Park Lane, Mayfair. I think certainly one of the more ex- exclusive squares in the Monopoly board. I remember that thinking, <laughs> thinking, wow, I'd love to have a house here. You know, maybe a hotel. But that 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 was incredible. That was effectively like it was like an air. It was a, a like an air hanger, an airplane hanger. And it was just an incredible experience, like like being there. And you've seen like rubbing shoulders. I remember Steve Coogan walked by me, and part of me wanted to go up to and say to him like how how much I've enjoyed his comedy <clears> since <throat> I was a wee boy. But I thought I thought maybe not. 
Maybe not. Um, but that was incredible. And then going to the one, it was very different, the one that we were on uh, Sunday night. It was at the old fruit market. And it was just sort of rows, rows of seats, but it was it was good. It was good, sort of getting the chance to to perhaps chat to people that you wouldn't and uh, you wouldn't normally do. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, but I know Sean that you had a shot of tequila and left very abruptly. <laughs> that was the end of me. But to be fair, it was like the, the bit before. I don't get me wrong. I enjoyed that. It was a, it was a pleasant experience. The only thing I disliked was like there was twenty five categories, and we were up about ninth, and we didn't win. But then there were still 16 categories to go. Did you want to leave? No, I didn't want to leave. But there, there was a bit of me that, that, that was kind of feeling, I don't really want to see 16 groups of people that are really, really happy. Because oh. I'm actually a wee bit crabbit. That's show business for you, Sean. That's show business. We, we, we go again. Um, we, like I say, you pick yourself up off the canvas. Third time's a charm. Who knows? 2023 might be our year. It probably won't. But... Uh, <laughs> Do you want to talk about the football? I mean, we're about 17 minutes into this podcast, so we should probably mention it. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Like you said last time, uh, if people don't like Sean and I hobnobbing for a bit at the start, then then let us know. And I checked the Discord. There's an absolute cesspit there. But I checked the Discord <laughs> and, and there was no comments. There was no dissenting voices there. So I assume that, that we're okay just have a bit I of think chat people like we... it. I, I think people I think people like it. I think you can relate to it. No, that's good. Oh, that's good. That's good. I'm pleased to hear it. But we'll we'll get to the football. We'll do do the, that. Right, back to the Fitba. Even though we've even started talking about the football, we will start in the Championship and we'll jump back to Friday night where Queen's Park and Dundee enjoyed the spoils in a 2-2 draw. Pat Jarrett's opener was cancelled out by a spectacular, I will say spectacular, long range. Yeah, I'm not sure about spectacular. I suppose, it was. I suppose it was, in a way. How often do you see goals scored from 70 yards out? Uh, not often, but, but, but that was a, a, a bad goalkeeping error. And although Tommy Robinson thought he'd won the match for the Spiders with a really, really well-worked goal, Derek Osei netted a late-on to win Dundee a point. Although the point doesn't necessarily do any favours for either side. Queen's Park are still in third. Dundee are in sixth. But all the same, only two points separate the sides. And to show just how daft the championship is, five points separate Air United at the top from Wraith Rovers in seventh. Just a ridiculous division. But, Sean, um, thoughts on this game? <sighs> It's. I, I think Dundee were lucky to a degree. They seem to pile on pressure towards the end of the game. They they seem to get better when they brought in their substitutions. Queens Park seemed to get a bit weaker when they brought in their substitutions. Like Dundee, Dundee struck the bar a couple of times in the last kind of fifteen twenty minutes. However, I think in general, I think for the first seventy minutes or so, it was just a really poor performance for Dundee. And if anybody's going to be kicking themselves, as much as Dundee done okay for maybe the last kind of third or quarter, like Queen's Park should really kind of saw this game out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the championship is a weird league in terms of, like, see when we, when we start the show a wee bit later in the season, that's because we want to pull out narratives and storylines. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what a narrative or storyline is in the championship, other than nobody seems very consistent. Everybody seems kind of there or thereabouts 
in terms of quality or maybe even lack of quality. Uh, in terms of, if you compare the two teams, in, in terms of the game, Queen's Park were the better team. Yeah. There's, there's no doubt about it. They look like a really fun side to watch, Queen's Park as well. I mean, only I've, I've not had the chance to see them in person so far this season, but judging by the highlights, they, they move the ball very, very quickly. They look to to get up the pitch, get out wide to guys like um, Dom Thomas and Grant Savory, who, who's coming back after a spell on the sidelines. And they've got a player in Simon Murray who can really stretch defences, who who, who's quite happy to uh, run laterally across the pitch, pull players out of position and allow these more skillful players to, to move in. But I think there's a lot of quality uh, throughout, throughout that team. They do look like fun to watch and I hope to get the chance to see them at some point soon. See, I do think though that Queen's Park are better than the sum of their parts. And, and I know that there might have been a bit of, we know when Coyle was appointed, like whether he was maybe a bit of yesterday's man. But I genuinely think he's done a great job at Queen's Park at this moment in time. I, if you compare Queen's Park, Queen's Park squad to Dundee's or Partick Thistles mm. or maybe even Inverness's to a degree, I think on paper, Queen's Park might be the, the kind of fourth of those of those four teams. But he seems to have them punching above their weight. Like there's no like Simon Murray is, I suppose, their big name, but he's never really been a goal scorer. Dom Thomas has. I don't know why Simon. I don't know you're going back a wee bit, but just to correct you, I mean Simon Murray. Remember when he was playing for our growth and he got that move to Dundee United in that uh, the first half of that season, he was scoring pretty much every week. But but Simon Murray is kind of Simon Murray has been somebody who's like is he somebody who is a a goal scorer at the top end of the championship? Can he make his move up to the kind of bottom end of the Premiership? I'm I'm not entirely sure about him, but what I I am impressed about Simon Murray this season is his work rate. Yeah. So he he's not just a goal scorer. He's not just somebody who's going to be in the penalty box. He's happy to work the channels. He's happy to link with the players behind him. I think there's something more about him recently than we've seen previously. He's become a different type of player. I I think you're you're absolutely right there. I think he gives Queen's Park's attack such uh, such flair and, and such purpose. And I think you saw that last season when he was out missing. It was Bob McHugh that was leading the line. Bob McHugh's obviously a very different kind of player to Simon Murray. And but I think the the fact that Queen's Park drew so many matches, I do think that was down to the fact that Simon Murray was unavailable for such long spells and, and him being back in the team, he's pr- probably, dare I say it, their most important player. I probably, I mean, I know I know he didn't get an assist on Friday night for that first goal, but he was he was kind of all important in terms of work he'd done down the, the left-hand side. The ball eventually made its way into the box. I, I, I couldn't quite make out what happened. It was just defended horribly. It looked like it, it seems like, like I, I somebody care. tried to clear it, it cannoned off somebody and then went in. It seemed to be like the ball slipped through to Pat Jarrett. Cami Kerr is waiting for Ian Lawler to come and collect it. Ian Lawler's thinking, oh my goodness, he's waiting for me to come and collect it. I'll need to come and collect it. <laughs> then I can't remember who the third player was, seems to intervene, kicks it, and it leathers, it seemed to leather off Lawler, <laughs> then off Jarrett, and then into the net. It was a really, really bad goal for, for Dundee to concede. A, a, a bad goal, but funny uh, at the same time. I uh, and in, in terms of in terms of Dundee's equaliser, I mean it was just straight in from a a, a Paul McMullen free kick. Yeah. And how far out was he? About 60, 70 yards. No, he was he was in he was in Queen's Park's half. Surely, goodness. How 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 far is it from the halfway line to the the goal line? I thought he might have been thirty five to forty. No, maybe I'm wrong. No. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I, in fact. 
I'm going to put this out to the listeners. Could you let me know? Please watch Paul <laughs> McMullen's goal back on YouTube. The highlights are there. They're free to access. And let me know how far out he was when he shot. Now, in terms of how in terms of how Ferry, the, the Queensback goalkeeper, reacted to this, I would only expect this kind of uh, flap uh, at a ball into the area if maybe the sun was in his eyes mm-hmm. or if it was at Gayfield and there was a terrible wind. I, I bear in mind this was an evening game at Oakville View. Does Oakville View have had like suffer from gale force winds? You'll know better than me. Very, very rarely. I mean, like be honest, Sean, very completely fucks it. Absolutely. It comes comes far too far, eventually tries to punch it, and it just kind of sails over his head, over his extended fist. And yeah, I mean it's such a it's such a bad error. And I had a good save in the first half from I saw uh, I saw Dundee fans giving Zach Rudden a bit of a hard time. But, yeah, I saw his, that as well. For his finish in the first half, I just thought Callum Ferry done quite well. Uh, kind of came out, I actually came out of his box and kind of dispossessed him. In fairness, Zach Rudden is not the flavour of the season when it comes to Dundee fans. I, I, I understand why. Uh, but I, I did think Ferry done quite well. But regardless, uh, that was a terrible error. In his defence... I would say I wasn't that impressed on when he was when he was at Dundee, but he has had a good season for Queen's Park so far. Yeah, I the the best moment in the game, Sean, was midway through the, the second half when Tommy Robson, who has great goal, you, you know, a brilliant goal, he picks up the ball on the left hand side. He, he seems to go outside like he's going to take on a I'm sure it might, might be Cammy Kerr who was marking it right back. I imagine it was, but it looks like he's going to go on the outside, but then quickly changes his mind and goes inside. Plays a one-two with Simon Murray, yep. but the finish is, is brilliant. He, he seems to hit the thing with the outside of his left foot, and just the way it bends slightly away from, like the, the arc of the ball, just bends slightly away from from Ian Lawler and into the net. It's a, a really really good goal from a player who I, I'm glad to say has proved me wrong. I remember you and I had the conversation when he joined Queens Park. You're thinking the only reason he's signed for Queens Park is because of the the last bottom of the barrel full-time yep. team Bottoming in Scotland it. and that's why he, he's joined that joined that team because he can't get anywhere else and he still wants to kid on that he's a full-time player he's playing really well for them he's been a really really good signing for Queen's Park and I think that he's been one of the one of the best performers so far this season and I just seem to cap to cap to all off with a, a really really well taken goal Aye, and I think the I think the funniest thing was it, it occurred about 60 seconds after Dundee had equalised and like, see, as a fan, when you're watching that, like, it, it's so frustrating. So it's like you're back into the game, and then you're aye, back and you are you you are bending it up the the opposition fans because you've just equalised, and then instantly you're put back in your box, and I think, oh, I wish I hadn't bothered. I wish I hadn't bothered celebrating my own goal. Uh, but I know that was of the of the four goals. That was the that was the best of the bunch. Oh. At that point, though. Queen's Park made substitutions, Dundee made substitutions. Uh, I think the big substitution, Sean, was from what I read on Pine Borrow, Simon Murray was taken off and Johnny Kenny, a young boy they've got on loan from Celtic, was put on. He's He's only 18, 19. And I think he was pushed around a bit. Queen's Park lost the ability to hold the ball up high up the pitch. Dundee seemed to come on to them a wee bit. Simon Murray can... The fact that Simon Murray is so troublesome to defences, like he defends for the front, so if you don't have somebody that can do that, then instantly you regress back towards your own goalkeeper. And it's at that point that Dundee became, had a bit of foothold in the game, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. But talk about the equaliser there from Derek Osei. 
at the end. I think that Queen's Park certainly thought the goal was offside. I'm not 100% sure. I think he might have been just, just I thought Eze was playing him on. I, I thought Eze looked like he was playing him on. I mean, you, you always wonder about a goal where, to bear in mind in the aftermath, I think Dom Thomas got booked which was his second booking and a ah, red card. But the referee, that's the thing, the referee didn't realise it. It took Lee Ashcroft to come steaming out of the back I was, and I was actually embarrassed. Him. I was actually I, embarrassed on him. Ref, ref, he's been booked. <laughs> what a clown. Nobody likes a grass. Oh, are you, oh so are you seriously getting the deep players are all grasses and you wouldn't have done it? 100%. It's like the folk that say, like, and there's people we are friends with, Sean, like, all cops are bastards, no one likes a grass. Come on. Listen, let's be. If, if you saw an act of theft being committed out, you'd, 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 the, the people would report it. Maybe, maybe, maybe some extent. I maybe, maybe, maybe. But it's a clipping thing. A clip, no one's a clip. No one's a no one likes clip. So, so wait a minute. So let's say, let's say, uh, Queen's Park were playing Steny, right? Uh-huh. It was two two, five uh-huh. minutes to go. You wouldn't have been, and, and you were playing for Steny. You were playing for Steny, right? Let's say. Suddenly, you've been imbued with footballing ability. You wouldn't be explaining to the referee that Dom Thomas actually has already been booked and he should I, be dismissed. And that would give you an, an additional five minutes to not only win the game, but get a win bonus that might pay, uh, I don't know, for flooring. For flooring. I don't think I could look at myself in the mirror <laughs> if I told <laughs> Jimmy Tight Lips. I ain't saying nothing. Okay, well, that's what you're a better than man than me. That, that's but all I can say on the that. Goal, it did seem to, because I, I, I had to watch it back, and, and I think it's quite a difficult decision for the referee and the linesman, although I'm not sure if the. The linesman puts his flag up. Which right, the referee overrules him. Okay, the that's, that's very him. interesting. I, I do think Eze is playing him on. He seemed uh, to be the case because it, I, I, I don't think he was pretty good, Stephen Eze. Anytime like Dunfermline looked as though they were a, a bigger part, anytime Dundee looked as though they were getting something from the game, it seemed to be he was quite. Um, Erratic, I, a wee bit I, I honestly think I honestly think Stephen Eze is dreadful. Yeah. So he so I watched him at the Queen's Park Rovers game. I was there reasonably early. And so maybe like about half to 25 to 3, it was quite unusual. And the coach was warming him up, and the coach was just sending balls into the air for him to header. And it, it appeared like the, the aim of the game was that he could direct his header back towards the coach. Couldn't do it. He couldn't, he, he couldn't time his jump to match the ball to, to meet it. Uh, he couldn't direct it particularly well. Now, when he was, when Queen's Park had a corner, he was able to use his height and he was still able to win it. Mm-hmm. And he actually eventually scored the goal. But Queen's Park had about, I think Queen's Park had about eight corners. He won almost all of them. So he has, there are advantages to him being the team. But see, in terms of a, in a footballing perspective and mm-hmm. a defensive point of view, I'm not entirely sure he's able to do it. So he, I, I, even based on that game, where as far as I'm aware, looking at Queen's Park comments, that was his best game for Queen's Park. I'm not entirely sure his his positives outweighs negatives. And I know he has caps on Nigeria, but regardless, I'm I'm not sure he's he's entirely suited to lower league Scottish football. Mm, he certainly looks the part, and he watches about six foot five. He's a big, oh, he's a big boy. Laddie. You'd imagine a big big laddie. 
But I know it's Lethal Day uh, is playing all, but him and Charlie Fox at centre-back for Queens, those are two big boys. And I think, yeah. I'm not sure if I said this in a previous podcast, but the, if you're a striker and those are the defenders you're coming up against, you'd be like, Jesus, this is going to be a bit of a bit of a tough afternoon. But yeah, he, he seemed to struggle a wee bit, but I, I had to, to look at it a couple of times because it the, the ball comes in, it takes a flick off a, a Dundee player's head that sort of like takes it into the path of Osei, to, to 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 score, so but that's that's the thing. If the, the linesman's looking across and he's got a decent look at it, and the referee overrules, him. I couldn't see the referee in the highlights. I'm not sure where his position was. You you'd maybe ask questions. You can perhaps understand why Queens Park were were unhappy with it. Oh no, I, I could totally see it, especially because the linesman has his flag up. But I suppose, like bear in mind, Dom Thomas is already on a booting. Yeah. And bear in mind, like a lot of Queen's Park's uh, attacking intent and creativity is dependent on Don Thomas. The fact that they're now without him for a game or two or whatever it is, then that's not ideal. Just, just I'd appreciate it's easier said than done, but just button it. There were boos in the full time whistle. I wasn't 100% sure which set of supporters they were coming from. If it was the home supporters booing the referee, or Dundee supporters really unhappy with uh, another. I mean, they got a point in the end. They did well to back. I think it'd be Dundee fans. I it's not not quite going quite as well as I expected for Dundee. I'd have thought they'd be. I mean, they're still in the throng of teams. I mean, it's it's very um, very tight at that division at the moment, as we mentioned earlier in the show. But I would have expected Dundee on paper, certainly. I thought they'd a team, a capable side. That doesn't really appear to be the case. It certainly hasn't translated onto the pitch. They've really not put any runs together, anything like that. And I can understand why fans are perhaps asking questions about uh, Gary Boyer. I suppose sometimes things just kind of look you in the face and then you realise how, like, why have you not, why have you not seen them at this point? And I suppose when it comes to Dundee, it's like, right, so you essentially have the same squad that you had when you got promoted last time around. However, you don't have Charlie Adam. You still have the same, still have the same defence that, that struggled in the championship. You you don't have Charlie Adam that, that kind of got you at championship last time around. In terms of strikers, you don't have Jason Cummings, who, who helped to get you at the championship mm-hmm. last time around. They've went into the premiership, come back down, and... Have they really? Have they really improved? So, like in terms of the in terms of the signings that have come in, I think Tyler French has been okay of the five mm-hmm. that's come in. Other than that, it's a bit of a struggle. So they they probably haven't improved as an outfit since the last time they were in the championship. However, as much as that would not necessarily dissolve Simon Grayson of responsibility, Simon Grayson, but I I do think he expected. To make more signings than he was allowed to. So you said Simon Grayson. That's it. he was a former Leeds United manager. Uh, oh, geez, oh. <laughs> Gary Boyer. Uh, sorry, Gary Boyer. What? Who, sorry, Grayson is the, the the his son plays in midfield. Right. Okay. Okay. Uh, that doesn't dissolve him of accountability because he's so something like Zach Rudden, for example. Like we know that Zach Rudden is a a, a competent and good. Championship striker that probably deserved his, his chance in the Premiership last season. Now it didn't work, but he now doesn't look like a particularly good Championship striker. Hmm. So he hasn't. Boyer hasn't made that squad any any better, and he hasn't added to it in terms of quality. And I appreciate there's Dundee fans who are on the fence about whether they can criticise Boyer at this moment of time or or, or not. 
and I'm, I, I, I think it does deserve criticism. Hmm. Up next, Cove Rangers Queens Park is on Friday night. How do you see that one going? Uh, I suspect the Queens Park will win that. And a very, very interesting tie for Hill on Saturday. Partick Thistle versus Dundee. Uh, Thistle in absolutely shocking form at the moment. You'd have had a good look at them at the weekend when Wraith Rovers put three goals past them. They're, they're really, really struggling at the moment, Thistle. I, I remember I remember speaking about uh, when we had a preview and we, we spoke about the fact that Dundee were playing Partick Thistle only in the end of the season. And that would tell us a lot. If Dundee swept them aside, they would probably win the league quite comfortably. Mm-hmm. If Partick could win, then they're, they're a genuine uh, title contender. <laughs> I mean, here we are. Like Dundee are sitting uh, kind of mid-table. Partick Thistle are, are kind of struggling. Whoever loses this are in big trouble. And whoever loses this, if anybody loses it, then there might be some questions about whether they can continue in their post. Like, I mean, if like Ian McCall at Partick Thistle has now what conceded, well, four against Partick Thistle, four against Aberdeen, okay, fair enough. Three against Wraith Rovers, who kind of relaxed. Uh, uh, basically, it's uh, 11 goals in the last three league games. Four at Queen's Park, four at Ayr, and three at Wraith. And if you want to go back, they lost four at Aberdeen in the League Cup. But ostensibly, uh, 11 in the last three games. Which is not what was expected of Partick. And then... Likewise, this isn't what I expected of Dundee this season. So whoever loses, I I I think there may be some questions asked about uh, how long their, their tenure is going to continue. Not to be big Joe hindsight there, but I did say that when we did a big preview podcast that Ian McCall might be coming into this season under a degree of pressure because of how poorly the, the last campaign finished. I think that they had started very well, but they had a big backlog of games that caught up with them and they had gone from sort of unlikely title contenders to effectively just finishing, was it fourth place they finished? And you know something, I suppose you're absolutely right, but certainly in terms of squad, I mean, we felt there was a, or certainly I felt, there was a, a, a squad depth and they could deal with injuries, they could deal with, suspensions now they've got three or four players out at this moment in time through injury but it turns out they can't deal with that at all and to be fair to him he hasn't he hasn't really like thrown excuses uh, he hasn't really thrown excuses about however if he doesn't turn it around reasonably soon I would I would expect him to be under huge pressure before we move on Sean just want to stick with talking about Queen's Park because They've getting a bit of heat online for a, well, it's been a problem for a wee while now, a lack of communication with supporters. They put out a statement earlier in the week saying that their game against Inverness, Caledonian Thistle, it was due to take place at Oakville View Saturday 12th of November at three o'clock. It's now been moved to half past five. That's all it said. We thank Inverness for their, their uh, consideration and their help in arranging this fixture. Callie Thistle, meanwhile, put out a multi-tweet thread yep saying that the game had been moved because they, they'd come to a number, Queen's Park had put a number of proposals when they could use Oakle View or they tried to switch the fixture so it would be played up in the Highlands, which wasn't feasible because the pitch had already been used. It, it would have been used five consecutive matches, which just what, what wouldn't have worked. And because their ground sharing with not just Stenhouse Muir, it was Syngenta in the East of Scotland League. Syngenta, I've got a home game that day. And that's why Queen's Park's match has been moved. And it's it's been an ongoing problem, this that Queen's Park fans are just feeling 
certainly the ones if you read the comments on Twitter, if you read stuff on Pine Bovril, just a, a lack of communication from the club. On top of that as well, that there really seems to be the progress at Hamden Park seems to be glacial and it doesn't really look any further forward than it has been part, um, for the last couple of months. No, no, I mean, it's, I mean, it's really poor for Queen's Park. And I, at a time when they are doing so well on the park, the fact that they are struggling to keep their fans happy at this moment in time is incredible. And uh, you... Right, so let's say, for example, with the I'd... So bear in mind, they sold season tickets on the back of playing football at three o'clock on a Saturday. That's how they sold season tickets. Uh, I bought a season ticket for Wraith Rovers. So I, I, I work in Edinburgh. I could still get back to, I could still go back to Kirkcaldy on a Friday night for a, a 7.45 kickoff. But a lot of people wouldn't be able to do that. So mm-hmm. right away, you've you've put people out. The communication and updates are around how that is going. So they're now sharing with Steny. The intention or the suggestion certainly would be that they would be at Lesser Hamden at some point this season. I would be amazed if that happens. Yeah. Absolutely amazed if that happens. But there's been no communication around how it's going or whether they will be back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the the fact that there is now, I mean, the fact that there is a three-way sharing between Steny, Syngenta and Queen's Park the fact that they're having to move games from a Saturday to a, to a Friday night, which people, when they're buying a season ticket, didn't realise. So you buy a season ticket, presuming that you're going to go to a game at three o'clock on a Saturday, maybe can't make a game at, at half past seven on a Friday. Or even if you can make the game at half past seven on a Friday or 7.45, what time are you getting home on a Friday? Yeah. And I, and I think the... I, I, I thought the Inverness Caledonia official update was quite interesting in that like if I was involved at Queen's Park, I'd be quite embarrassed by it. Yeah, I, I was thinking the same thing. Because I was thinking the same thing that they have that Queen's Park statement yep. is just very to the point. No yep. explanation as to why this is this happened. But there's Kelly Thistle breaking it down all the alternatives yep. that were that that were put forward and had to be rejected and the reasons why they were rejected. You get an understanding. That's what when when there's no communication, you'll fill the void with conjecture and yep. rumour and gossip mm-hmm. and, and so on. And you can completely understand. It's like you do it all the time. When, I mean, you'll you know I mean, the, the whole, I don't want to bring up, but the David Goodwillie stuff, like what's yep. happening with David Goodwillie, when there's a void of information, it gets filled in and there's and then it just becomes like, it's not helpful to, to anyone. And this is certainly far less severe than than what Ray Rovers experienced in, in January. But it's, it's, it's just, it's not helpful. And it does detract from what has been a, a very impressive season so far. Mm-hmm. And this this is the season that Queen's Park should be growing their home support. Like mm. if they were located where they should be located, like if you're being successful in the championship, you are of course going to grow your support for a team that was a, an amateur side in League Two. Mm-hmm. Actually, they're not doing it because people maybe are struggling to afford to, to go and watch them at, at, at Steny or can't be bothered to go and watch them at Steny or feel put out at how bad the, the communication has been from the club and just just don't want to do it yeah no I, I I agree with all of that Sean I agree with all of that it's just it's I it's it's I it's 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 and then when you see a sort of little director's box being built at Lesser Hamden as well then you kind of get the idea it's like very much 
Uh, some here's the, the not good enough for the proles, but here's something for the the prawn sandwich brigade to borrow uh, Roy Keane's infamous term. It was interesting. There was somebody who, and and listen, you can I, I totally appreciate you can take pie and bovril posts with that. Is this is this the post from the guy who's got thirty six years experience in construction? A pinch of salt. Yes. Yes, I read it earlier. But he today. was he was not impressed at all by what he saw at Lesser Hamden in terms of weatherproofing and things like that. I, I, I thought that was interesting, but again, you, you, you take things like that with a pinch of salt. Yeah, it's worth it's worth checking out just because the, the poster himself says that he's got, as we mentioned, 36 years experience in the building trade and why uh, Queen's Park has just been a shambles, this, this, this whole process. So I would recommend checking it. It's a poster called Bring Your Own Socks, um, which I presume he's been doing when the club are playing Oakle View. <laughs> Let's bounce from Oakle View and we'll take a short trip over to Clickmanshire to the Rex where Alloa Athletic beat Clyde 2-1. Luke Donnelly opened the scoring for the Wasps only for Curtis Roberts to equalise with an absolute banger and a draw seemed to be the likeliest outcome, probably most appropriate and fairest outcome on the balance of play. But in the 93rd minute, there was Luke Donnelly at once more swinging his foot at the ball to score his second of the game, win three points for Alwa and condemn Clyde to a 10th consecutive defeat. Now, when we spoke in last week's show, Sean, uh, Danny Lennon had been placed in gardening leave, but but earlier in this week, uh, it's been announced that he's officially left the club. Not much of a surprise based on him going in gardening leave and the series of results. No, no, I, I suspect it's taken them approximately a week to discuss how much it took to, to get him off the books. Yeah, well, bear in mind, of course, he'd signed a new contract, a new two-year contract with the club in April. Yeah, and I suppose there's a question as to why he was given that, that extra deal in April. I mean, let's face it, Clyde have been struggling in League One for a while now, and I would suggest that one of the reasons of struggling in League One is because of Daniel Lennon's recruitment policy. Yeah. Now, that might be because his budget isn't very good. I, I I don't know. But certainly now, there has been a consistent theme, whether it's the summer transfer window, the January transfer window, that Daniel Lennon consistently signs players who don't seem good enough for Clyde. Mm-hmm. And m- m- maybe, maybe it's... Uh, Maybe it, it, it speaks wonders of how good he is as a manager that he has managed to keep them in League One. But certainly it feels like he has not made the most of their budget, whatever it is, season in, season out. Especially since David Goodwill left. Oh, hard to disagree with that. I think there was a, a game going back to Pine Bovril and the Clyde thread, which I had a wee look at before we recorded this podcast. There was a poster who had written down all of Danny Lennon's signing season by season. And you can say that the best of, of the bunch of them was when he first started, the, the group of players that, that he brought in. And that was guys, like, they may not have been the first, certainly the first and the second tranche. It was guys like Ali Love, uh, Chris McStay, uh, Ray Grant, players players like that who had done very well for himself. And I think that, that generally the feeling, I'm, I'm not going to tell Clyde fans how to, how to feel about it, but I think that the feeling is probably one of... Like sadness and disappointment that that Danny Light just hasn't worked out that it's not been good for a while. I I don't want to compare the two. I will compare the two. Like Arsene Wenger's <laughs> like Arsene Wenger's final days at Arsenal. But you know someone who had done a lot of good work for the club and then suddenly it just stops working. It just isn't working anymore. 
I mean, I'm thinking, like, I think, I'm, I'm not going to tell Clyde fans how to feel, but this is very much an outside-looking-in perspective. I think history will judge Danny Lennon very kindly at Clyde, if you remember, like where Clyde were when he took over, I mean, it was just where we potted history from Clyde over the last like 13, 14 years when they were relegated to the third, when they were relegated to the old second division in 2009 under John Brown, they were a bit of a kiddie on club. You know, the, the, there's financial problems which played their part, of course, but for a long period, they went through a bunch of kiddie on managers, kiddie on players, guys who were nowhere near good enough, nowhere near competent enough to be managing a club in the Scottish Football League or the, the SPFL. And it was only really until Lennon came in that they had a, a team they could really be proud of again. And I, Jim Duffy had done well with them. He took them in, he got them an unlikely playoff finishing in 2013-14. And Barry Ferguson did the same, but Ferguson's quite a difficult person to, to like. Probably. But had 89 players to do it. But yeah, I had an enormous squad. Can you imagine him trying to do shape? this week right here's the 11 players that will be starting the 5 players for each position who won't be starting you just shadow but when we, like squid when, games <laughs> with Lennon he replaced Jim Chapman in his first season he took the club to within the cusp of getting into the playoffs despite the fact that a terrible start under Chapman they were absolutely on fire over the second half of the season very narrowly missed out on fourth place to Stenhouse Muir and in the following season he took them up and, and turned them from like a, a mediocre or like League Two team where, where he found them and turned them into a very capable League One team. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to build on that. And that comes down to sometimes like very wacky management and, and predominantly like signing some really, really poor players. I think though, history will, will, will be very kind to Danny Lennon and his time at Clyde. No, I, I think so as well. But it's also, it's also not the first time we've seen. I suppose Danny Lennon being judged on his signers. I remember when he was at Alloa. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I remember there was the issues about his, about his signing policy. I think the issue was he went on holiday, went on a summer holiday too long and they kind of felt like they were kind of behind when it comes to signing players and they never really recovered. I, I, I think in terms of Danny Lennon, he is Clyde's best manager in recent years. But he his time had run its course. Now that that also doesn't mean that they will be able to replace him competently. That doesn't mean that they'll be able to replace him with somebody who's better. Uh, but regardless, it felt like he'd come to the end. I mean, ten was it ten defeats in a row? Nine under his watch. This was the tenth. It, it's time at that point. It's time to go. It's a funny story that David Weatherston tells about working with Danny Lennon at Aloha Athletic. He told he told him that they tell him his Pelly podcast that I recorded with him. Weatherston had been completely frozen out at Aloha and was effectively just training. He, he wasn't really getting off the bench, barely making any impression whatsoever. And they were doing some training, and it was him and a couple of other players, and he scored a volley from training. And Danny Lennon went, Brilliant finish, Stevie. And you think, well, that's great. He doesn't know my name. <laughs> However, it came to the game at the weekend. Stevie Hetherington, who also had barely featured as well, he was suddenly brought out of nowhere and brought into the <laughs> brought into the starting eleven. You know, some more haircuts. I, I, I don't think so. Stevie Hetherington and Davy Weatherston don't look anything like one another. But I think that was that's quite a funny story there. Um, just perhaps about some of the the, the quirks that, that he had. But this game, Sean, we were talking about it. I'm not sure if it'll make the cut for tomorrow night's episode of A View from the Terrace. 
But I've watched this game and spoken about it. I think that this is the perfect example of when you're down, you're down. When you're locked out, you're locked out. And it certainly seemed the case for Clyde here. On the plus side, if you want to, if you want to look for positives in this Clyde performance, I, I thought they were worthy of a point. Yeah. If not more. But like, let's yeah. say, let's say, I mean, obviously Aloha kind of got the win in the last minute. If Clyde had got the win in the last minute, you wouldn't have said, Oh, that's well that that, that they don't deserve that. Like they, they felt like they deserve something from the game. Uh and that that maybe bodes well going forward. Because I don't know if that's been the case for the last numerable defeats. I th- I think so, yeah. They've been they've been completely outplayed and outmaneuvered. But it's just it's the the, the caliber of the goals they lost, I suppose, was 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 really poor. The first goal, the ball's played down down the left. I'm not sure who, who it was. I think maybe Ross McLean plays down the left. Ross Lyon, who is a player that's been getting a bit of heat, we spoke about him in last week's show. He gets the ball flicked over his head, and then the ball oh, sort of wor- worked into the left, and it's played to to Donnelly, and Donnelly takes a swipe at it, but it deflects off Peter Grant's knee and sends it past the goalkeeper and 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 high into the net. And those are the sort of things that when, when that happens, your your luck's out. And then, of course, immediately after that, Peter Grant up the other end of the pitch has a header that's ruled out. I think maybe for an apparent push on, on Jay Hogarth. I, I think it was a push to be fair. I, I, I thought it was a foul. I, I thought it was a foul as well. But that's the sort of thing you, you mean. You see these. I, I don't want to sound like an old crank, but you see these decisions given. Sometimes you see these decisions given. They come back into the game through a really, really good goal from Curtis Roberts. I mean, the finish is, is Lovely. exquisite. Great, yeah, it's great. a really good goal. But to to capitulate in the way they did at the end, it's effectively it's a free kick in the halfway line. Aloha send the big boys up. It's lumped into the box. I think it's Scott Taggart that takes it. Just a punt into the box. Clyde don't deal with it. And then the ball falls to Donnelly, who just gets his puts the laces through it and sends it into the net. And it's these are you know some of these are the factors. That's probably why Clyde are going to get relegated. Them and Peter Head are going to go down. It's because of those moments, just the lack of quality at key moments, even when the, the opposition like aren't playing particularly well and you're having a on a, a better than, than average game. When you when these moments go against you, that's a sign that you're going you're going you're going down. I, I I I'm not necessarily disagreeing with what you're saying, however, based on Based on Saturday's highlights against Alawa, I think if Clyde were to play, I don't know, uh, whoever wins the, the the kind of playoffs in the in the second division, they might have a chance. They, they weren't rotten on Saturday. They were they were okay against a team that's currently sitting fourth or fifth in League One. I thought they were okay. I, I, I yes, yes. It's just I think that. I mean, I'm not not a football player, you know. I've not been in a dressing room. Just, I wonder what the morale is like amongst the Clyde players at the moment when you lose a goal like that in the 93rd minute. When you think we've got a point, this is this is a this is something to perhaps kickstart the season. Put a wee bit of distance between us and and Peterhead, who of course got a very impressive point of the, on their own when they they drew with Edinburgh. So that's the gaps narrowed even further between the sides. I just think that you'd just be scunnered. And I don't know if it's the sort of thing that where you go out onto a football pitch and because of what's happened in the last 10 games, you think that, geez, oh, we're probably going to lose this. There becomes a sort of gallows humour. I don't know if the players are, have, are making jokes in the in the group chat or whatever, just saying things like, oh, here we go, another defeat. 
<laughs> I, I don't I don't know I, I, I don't know I don't know I, I would hope not I would hope I wouldn't want to see like a, a losing mentality like that but I, I don't know how, how, how these oh my goodness Kieran Tierney's just scored an absolute stunner for Arsenal there ah <laughs> yes um, so I'm just watching this uh, for, for, for the viewers at home for the listeners at home I'm watching the Europa League on the television while I'm talking to Sean and he's caught my corner of my eye there that's that's why I thought that. I'm just, but I mean, we've we've been in the positions, not necessarily in football pitches, but like at work when things aren't going well, you 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 have this sort of gallows human and kind of just everyone sort of groups together, just and and sort of revels in the badness. I don't know. Yeah, you're you're looking at me. You're you're looking at me like I've just put a really I've said something really unpleasant to you. I, I think the problem with Clyde is, and Peterhead, I don't, I don't see any other teams getting no. dragged down into the the, the bottom three. The, the already those... begin. It's beginning to look a wee bit detached at the moment. However, based on Saturday's performance against Alawa, I think Clyde may finish ninth and would not be. Uh, I would wouldn't rule them out of winning a playoff against the uh, League Two winners. No, I think they're, they're going to go down. They're, they're playing. Team. They're playing against Airdrie this weekend, Sean. On Airdrie's side, who hitherto the, the weekend's match against Montrose had picked up one point in, in six games. All of a sudden, they, they smashed Montrose open, beating them 4 0. What's your thoughts on this match? Airdrie win. Okay. Well, I, of course, I, this is the team that's going to stay up I, by losing to Airdrie. Nice one. <laughs> And then Alo Athletic, a team to we've not really we've, we've spoken a lot about Clyde, but what's your what's your thoughts on this Alo team? I do think yeah. the man I do think the management of Barry Ferguson really has set them back like a, a couple of years. They're performing very well. Like Brian Rice, I think, has got them performing pretty well. I think they have a chance of finishing in the top four. And when you look at the squad that they have available, that's pretty impressive. Like I, I know. I, I I don't think anybody on the, the, the terrace necessarily thinks that Brian Rice is a, a, a fantastic manager. I think he's doing pretty well at Alawa, to be fair. I think he is. I've actually just pulled up the results there. I mean, the, the losses that they've had, they've actually done very well. They've, uh, the only loss they've had against Dunfermline and against Falkirk. But other than that, I mean, they've beaten Peterhead, beaten Clyde, beaten Airdrie. Uh, Montrose, Clyde, Peter. Okay, so that's the colour of the teams that they're beating. And Connor Salmon's having a good season. Is it? Is it Brad Rodden that plays at front? Yeah, Bradley Rodden doing very well. Uh, Luke Donnelly, like we've we've discussed Luke Donnelly on on previous podcasts in terms of like where should he play? So when I broke signed him, it was like right. So is he is he somebody who could play up front? Is he does he play it wide? Does he play behind a forward? I broke actually played him in midfield for one of the games uh, recently. I'm not entirely sure Brian Rice knows where to play him either, but regardless, he played them behind the forwards against Clyde and he ended up scoring two. So I think Donnelly is a, a, a capable League One forward and I think he will assist them in terms of the, the, the promotion push. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Alwa finished up for Maybe. Maybe now that you mention it, cause when the league... When the team, the leagues was set out at the beginning of the season before a ball had been kicked, I foolishly assumed Falkirk and Dunfermline and Queen of the South going for the title, and there's one spot up for grabs there. That I don't think that's the case now. I think Queen of the South are going to be down there. Like I think Queens Two at the moment. Up for grabs. Yeah, I, Queens will do well to to 
to finish in the top half of the table. Actually, I believe the way the way they're playing at the moment—that's perhaps a discussion for another podcast. Yeah, I, I think that the teams will be looking to finish there: Montrose, Aloha, Airdrie. I know they've not—they've not had a, a fantastic season so far, but they—they they have shown that the, at times that they're a capable group of players. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they could do. But I, 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 maybe that's my own ignorance when I when I opened up by saying that Ferguson had set the club back. I thought that last season they were challenged to get out of the division. And that that didn't happen. Maybe this is the season they do. Maybe it's taken Brian Rice to come in and, and clean up someone else's mess, and he seems to be doing a very decent job of it. No, maybe he's just a better manager than Barry Ferguson. I think there's a lot of people that could say that, Sean. <laughs> a lot of people could say that. And let's round things off by taking in an entertaining draw in League Two between Albion Rovers and Stenhouse Muir. What is this? This class. This is like what, a really good game. I was going to say, what is the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast without some kind of long form discussion about Stenhouse Muir? <laughs> now, this was a this was a fucking good game of football, man. The Rovers celebrated their 140th birthday by moving off the foot of the division. Um, James Leslie opened the scoring for the Rovers with a well placed header immediately. Before the first the the first half whistle, uh, then substitute Will Sewell brought Steny level. Callum Wilson put the Vers back in front with a neat finish, but Ross Forbes restored parity with a late penalty after Ewan Wilson handled a goal bound shot. And right at the death, Naya Joseph hit the bar uh, with a with a very well placed effort. Rovers are now in ninth, as we mentioned, courtesy of their better goal difference than an Athletic, and Steny are still in fourth. How how did you react to Naya Joseph hitting the bar? Honestly, I can actually, I, I can remember it. It was like, <laughs> when he hit the bar, you're like, oh my God, and just standing there open mouth because the ball started pinging about in the middle of the box. And then it broke to Ross Philp, who hit, took the thing and uh, like, sort of controlled it in his midriff and put it past the post. But for that period, when it hit the post, just <sighs> open mouth, like gripping my mate's shoulders. You know that? You've got two mates either side. You've always you grabbed their collars, just just ready to, to jump into each other. It didn't quite happen, but... It was. It was a, a a great game of football. Great game of football between two sort of very different teams. Like on paper, obviously Stenhouse Muir are the better side. I mean, it's reflected in the in the the, the to both teams' expectations for the season, the the league table itself. But you've got a midfield. You've got you've got two two very different midfields. You've got a midfield there of Nat Wedderburn and Ross Forbes, guys who are really really good when they have the ball at their feet. Can they run? Don't like to run. Don't don't rate run. You know, and I'm, I'm co- not sure they don't like to run. They just can't run. No, they they, they, they really don't like. Cannot run. They, they, uh, Ross Ross Forbes tried to cut out a cross at one point, and he jogged for that, and he didn't work because Albion overscored. scored <laughs> when the ball was played, and that Wedderburn doesn't like running. Does just doesn't like running at all. But they're coming up against the midfield of like with James Leslie and and Blair Malcolm and. Um, I think it's Kieran Fleming. Guys, that's something that you'll get from Albion Rovers. I've always said that. It doesn't really matter who that. The only really shit Albion Rovers team I've seen was John Brogan's team. You know, the team that Kevin Harper had to come in and oh, take the, over. The, the, the same place of the West of Scotland second division. Fucking hell, man. They were, they were stinking. That's the worst Albion Rovers team I've ever seen. But anytime you play Albion Rovers, and I'd say regardless of who the players are, regardless of who the manager is, you always get energy and enthusiasm and abundance. And that's certainly what Albion Rovers had. I've seen them twice now this season. They are not a, they are a far better side than their league position would suggest. The but only you, thing But you keep saying that. You keep saying that, but they are like they've literally just come off the bottom of the table 
that Saturday there. So, I think so put, like, I think, why is it that you keep saying they're far better than than their position suggests? They don't have a consistent to get goal away scorer. From that position. They don't have a consistent goal scorer. That's the problem. I think they, they certainly create enough chances. Again, I'm going by the. I can only really go by the two games that I've seen. They they. They certainly create a lot of chances. They just they, they don't have anyone that can put the ball in the back of the net with a degree of regularity. Scott Roberts, a player who you'll know quite well from his time at Rovers, he was playing as a as a striker. I, he, I I I looked at the lineup on Saturday and saw that Scott Roberts was uh, the the kind of lone forward. I was surprised. Put it that way. Yes, I. But there was it was a team. It was a performance from Albion Rovers where there was really no failures, and there was I mean. Like last season, Stennis Muir beat them 4 0. Stennis Muir went up. Stennis Muir were four up after 20 minutes in that game. And there's a boy playing for them at, uh, I think he's playing right back or left back, his name Adam Fernie. And that was the worst individual performance I'd seen from a, an opposition player all season. He was really good at the weekend. I was actually surprised that the Rovers had kept on. He was really good. Ewan Wilson playing another flank. He was good. Blair Malcolm, James Leslie mentioned, really good. But I thought Malcolm was the best player in the park. And it's that. I suppose I, maybe you, you're right. I, I can go by what I've seen there. Perhaps other t- other uh, supporters will have seen the Rovers and think they're absolutely rubbish. I've seen them twice. I think they're a good side. There's players from that team that I would want to see playing for the the Warriors. So do you suspect they're going to stay up? Oh, 100 percent. I've said Bonnie Rig will finish bottom. So I think I said that on, on the last week's show. Bonnie Rig will finish bottom. Bonnie Rig, Bonnie Rig will, will will keep the Vers up. And Steny. Still confident that they will challenge at the top? I think that was the, in the circumstances, a good point because they equalised in the 87th minute. So a good point in the circumstances. But if you're serious about winning league titles, you can't go to the team who's bottom of the table, regardless of what I've said about them, regardless of what I've said about them, that I think they're a decent side. You can't go to the team that's bottom of the table and, and not beat them, particularly when Sterling Albion Dumbarton and East Fife all won. So now the Warriors are, what, that's eight points from the top of the table. And I know that no league titles were have been won in October, November. But I was talking to my friends about this. There's a real sense that this could be another season that just completely passes Stenhouse nearby. We've said so many times that this League 2 is the most open that it's been for three seasons. Yep. No Queen's Park, no Cove Rangers, no Kelty Hearts, a team where there is not a necessarily an outstanding side, but that's a good thing for everyone else, that, that everyone can, can see themselves as, as viable contenders to, to win promotion or whatever. But I just worry that even at this stage, that Sergio do look a wee bit adrift and, and some of the issues that have just plagued Stephen Swift's time since he's taken charge of the club are just still there manifesting. You can say there was injuries because Sean Crichton was out, Nicky Jameson was out, two guaranteed starters. Adam Every Corbett. team was injuries. Every, Every team was injuries. Was injuries. Uh, but, but these are two guys who would be guaranteed starters at, at centre-back. Callum Yates is out for long term. He would have played as well. And I, I think the team did quite well to, to cover for those injuries. But it just feels like it could be like having lost at Sterling Albion the previous week, despite you know giving them a good game, a drop was probably a fair result in that match, giving them a good game and still losing, that's the sign that you just become a wee bit despondent. And I think, you know the expression, you're only as good as your last game? I really think that applies to someone like Stephen Swift. That doesn't bode well. 
it, it doesn't. I was I was trying to look at the game because I don't necessarily think that anyone played badly for the Warriors either. I thought it was like like we mentioned it when we addressed this this game. It was a good game of football between two pretty decent sides. I was trying to look look at what happened with Stenny's goals. I suppose that the player might be at fault. Like Michael Miller didn't track James Leslie's run for the header. It's actually a really good header that that he puts in. It just seems to go through a crowd of players. Clangers Brennan was getting a bit of heat. But I'm not sure if that's because he was legitimately at fault for the goal, or people just don't like him. I think it's well, probably the, the, I mean, either the, is either is either is possible. He sees it late though. I mean, the, the the camera angle on the Warriors TV highlights is really well placed. It does go through a crowd of people. It's very difficult for the goalkeeper to get down to to save it. So I'm kind of not going to be too harsh on him. I think that the the second goal. I mean, Charlie Riley has touched to take. He knows that he's faster than Ross Forbes. He knows that he's faster than him. You can see the touch when he gets the ball played into him and he basically uses his body, just sprints ahead of Ross Forbes, touch, bang into the box. You could perhaps say Forbes and Miller could have done better to close down the cross. Maybe Ross Philp could have been better at tracking Callum Wilson's run into the box to stop him from finishing. It all happens very quickly. So you perhaps look at that, but it's just that these are the games where when it's the sort of thing where no one really plays badly, but you still don't win. That you're kind of just like... Just a wee bit, just a wee bit scarred. I I can totally appreciate that. You know, what I would say though, Matty Yates, what a player he is. He is one of the best players I've seen in League Two this season. He's an absolute wee superstar. And Stennis Muir are very lucky to have got him on a two-year contract because he could play one level higher based on what I've seen. So League One. League One, yes, that's one level <laughs> higher from, from, from League Two. Uh, the games are up next. Albion Rovers have got still an Albion, probably not the team you'd want to face at the moment. No, no, that's a still an Albion one. Okay, Senesmere versus East Fife. They played each other twice already this season. The Warriors have won on both occasions 2 1. Uh, East Fife are due a win. They've been quite unlucky against them so far. I think that the 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 both Senesmere deserve to win on both occasions against them. Okay. Listen, okay. it's okay, Sean. A lot of the time, you and I disagree. You'll come with a long-winded point, and I'll be like, "Absolutely, Sean, I agree with you. <laughs> I, I agree with you entirely." <laughs> so it's sometimes good when we disagree with with one another. Uh, it just it's just frustrating. That's the that's the it's just it's frustrating because on paper you look at all the constituent parts in that Estenis team, and they just seem to be like. You mentioned about Queen's Park being greater than some of the parts. You kind of look at all the individual parts that make up the Stenhouse no, team, and it is less than the sum of its parts. And I, I, I don't know who's to, probably the manager, if you can't find that balance that in you. I mean, they paid money for Will Sewell. Sewell, is, uh, his, his goal was very well taken. His through ball from Matty Yates was lovely, just the wee pass to, to take him away from, I think it's Ayrton Sonker. Sonker looks a wee bit flat-footed. What a size of a boy he is, by the way. Like, I was there with Robert Borthwick at the match. He was like, look at the build in him. Like, he was taken aback. Look at the build in him, he said. I said, no, Robert, look at the size of him. He's huge. Absolutely enormous. He was he had a good game. He, uh, he Tam Orr had found it quite difficult against him. But he, uh, that pass from Matty Yates took it away. So, a lot of money was paid for So, relatively speaking. Not necessarily seeing that if you're paying money for a centre forward who has now become your, your first player you bring off the bench. Can't expect a wee bit more than that. He's, he's, he's kind of scoring now, though. Aye, aye, but I mean, I hope you get like 25 goals a season. 
When Steady pay money for a player, I want him to go on and lift the World Cup at some point. <laughs> That's the degree of expectation that's placed in him. You want Steady to sign right? I would like, I imagine that they still send us signed a World Cup winner. Great, who is it? It's Bobby Charlton. <laughs> Is he is he capable of playing? Is he is he still he still got that magic in his boots? Mm, probably not. Probably not. But just before we finish up League Two, Sean and an Athletic are now bottom of the table, and this is something that has caught me really by surprise because I expected them to actually go and win the bloody thing, but they've been wretched so far this season. Lost at Dumbarton, Dumbarton beating one 0 a Greg Wild header. Where has it gone wrong for Peter Murphy's side? Uh. I I find it quite interesting in terms of quite often at the start of the season we say that the League Cup form doesn't necessarily suggest the same when it comes to league form. But normally we talk about that in terms of teams that are struggling in the League Cup mm-hmm. that we don't expect to struggle. But Anne and it's somebody who's been brilliant in the League Cup but then dreadful in the league. Yeah. And the fact that they could come out on top against Ayr and Queen's Park and there was somebody else uh, above them in the league that they managed to be on penalties I think then took Aberdeen to, to extra time in the league yeah. cup the fact that they're struggling in the league I, I don't really understand it I think I spoke about them again on a view from the terrace that's my only frame of reference but I spoke in a, a section that's probably likely to be cut just because they seem to do that anytime I bring a decent point it seems to be, get cut I thought we'd rather talk about top flight teams than than, than League 2 jobbers <laughs> that's politics absolute politics no I'm being facetious of course I think that, that the point that I made was that I think that their biggest strength is also their biggest weakness in Tommy Goss I think Tommy Goss is a really good striker and I think he's someone capable like Matty Yates that can play one level higher League 1 for instance but because they've got a striker who's, who's quite good at, at being physical, noising up defenders, quite good in there. It's just an easy option for them to go and they become quite one-dimensional and quite easy to play against. And Which wasn't go- what they were last season. No, it wasn't, because the guy like Owen Moxon, who was one of the best midfielders in the division... I, I, could- I checked and he started, he started every week for Carlisle. That's brilliant. And that's and absolutely like fantastic. I mean, he's a really good player. Yeah, that, and that's exactly what you want to see. I was worried... I mean, I'm not 100% sure what league, the standard of English football in League 1 and League 2 is. However, if you're going from an athletic part-time football and you're in your sort of like early to mid-20s and you've not really, I mean, I know you've played for Queen of the South, but it's a big jump up and you wonder how is he going to adapt to like full-time training? How is he going to adapt to what's a very physical league? And he seems to have taken to a plumb. That's great. And the fact that that we're, we're speaking so highly about him shows how much of an impact he had for Annan. And the they, very difficult player to replace because these guys only come around like once a decade and they don't have him anymore. So they don't have anyone that's really putting their foot in the ball in the middle of the park. And that's where, where the team are suffering. And I'm not sure how Peter Murphy addresses it. I do think that his time at Annan has all been broadly positive, though, if you're to like look at it over the piece. So... I don't think he's any under immediate pressure. I, I imagine he'll be able to turn it around. But I can't see Annan. Just the, the idea of them finishing bottom just seems absurd to me. Especially when people regarded him as the one of the favourites to, to win the league. However, I think if you're getting to January time and they're still bottom of the league, I can see them I can see them jettison Peter Murphy. Uh, I hope that's not the case. Murphy seems all right. 
And if he jettisoned him, they'll probably jettison Colin McMenamin. And as I've said many, many times, the Aaron assistant manager is one of my all-time favourite Stenhouse Muir players. I will not hear a bad word said against him. So don't even think about it, Sean. I wasn't going to say anything bad about No, just as well. I'd drive in the car up to Kirkcaldy and and just, like the tango man, big double-handed slap across the face. No, I just wouldn't let you in. Yeah, the door. Uh, who's out of the door? It's Craig Telford. He said he was coming around to slap me. You going to let him in? No. No. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll wait till you go to your work the next day. I'll sleep in my. I'll I'll, I'll sleep in my car like some sort of dad that's not allowed to see his kids anymore, and then I'll wait for you. The worst thing would be actually I'd probably just fall asleep in the car. You'd leave for work and just just go to work and wake up, and you're gone. Yeah, that's right. You wake up at half past ten. I feel wasted just stinking of alcohol and uh, ginsters. I've been working for two hours. <laughs> I think that's enough, Sean. I, I, I think so. I think so. I hope you have learned a lot about... I hope you've learned a lot. I, like me and Sean, are some fucking fantastic teachers. Eh? Well, I hope you've enjoyed yourselves at least. Sean and I don't have a clue what we're talking about. We do hope you have enjoyed yourself. We are off to record a Patreon. We're going to be talking about Lewis Vaughn's comeback for Wraith Rovers, one of the high points at the weekend. And if you want to listen to that, the only way you can is by subscribing. There are hours and hours and hours of content, thousands of podcasts, quite literally thousands of podcasts about everything to do with football, um, quizzes about football, and a little bit more about football. So there's something there for everyone who likes football. Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.